اللهم رب هذه الدعوة التامة والصلاة القائمة آت محمد للوسيلة والفضيلة والتفجة الرفيعة وبعثه مقاما محمودا الذي وعدته وانزقنا شفاعته يوم القيامة إنك لا تخلف الميعاد وصلى الله تعالى على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين الحمد لله رب العالمين الصلاة والسلام على سيد الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد فقد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في القرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد بعد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وأصحابه وبارك سلم الصلاة والسلام عليك يا رسول الله وعلى آلك وأصحابك يا رحمة للعالمين نسبت الأرض وبرزة وسسد الإسلام والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته والكريزة الجيد جوانت الله سبحانه وتعالى يوتشين الشسسين أفضلوز Master of the Hero of Judgment, Master of this world, Master of the Hereafter, Master of the Bodies and the Master of the Believers. Allah Ta'ala is the Master of our destinies and it is our supplication that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala grant us goodness in the Hereafter. If Allah Ta'ala is to test us in this dunya, may Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala grant us success in our endurance, and in our tolerance, in our perseverance, and in our patience. As was embodied by the most beloved, the most beautiful, the most venerated the most inspected creation of Allah Sayyidina wa Habibana wa Mawlana Muhammad wa Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam upon whom we send salutations and abundance upon this blessed day of Yom Al-Jum'ah May Allah Ta'ala accept it from us May Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala grant us greater favor in our ibadah May Allah Ta'ala grant us the tawfiq and the sincerity and the motivation, inspiration and dedication to seek the pleasure of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala in every one of our actions, for surely every action, though it may be mundane, though it may be practical, though it may be normal, though it may be ordinary, though it may be part of human nature, but every action that is done for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even though it may be born and induced out of necessity, it may be induced out of circumstances, or we find ourselves in situations where we are in some way going to act upon any circumstance in life, let it always be that primarily and in the short term we are doing it to fulfill a necessity, but ultimately and secondarily we are doing it for the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every action that is done for the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah ta'ala is willing to reward us for that action. If we take, for example, predominantly we are men, and men Allah Ta'ala has given us roles and responsibilities that if we have families, Allah Ta'ala has obligated us to take care of our families, to provide for our families, to protect our families, to ensure that they tread upon the straight path, the path that Allah Ta'ala has saved, not the path that earns the displeasure of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. And for many of us, we do not look at it as an obligation nor a necessity, but rather we look at it as a labor of love for our families. Many men, Alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala has blessed with the great insight of what it is to be the patriarch and the caretaker and the protector of a family. When a man fulfills his responsibilities to his family by providing for them, by protecting them, naturally he does this out of a sense of love for his family. Every man 
is a shepherd unto his family and every man will be questioned regarding the flock that Allah Ta'ala gives him responsibility to tend over in this world. This is the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu everyone who is a shepherd and will be questioned regarding the flock, regarding the provision, regarding the conduct, regarding the character we serve with them and regarding ultimately how far we have made them on the deen of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Allah said many of us will do it as a labor of love for it is normal for a man to want to see happiness in the face of his wife and his children and his parents and his siblings and whoever else has the capacity to give pleasure to. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so merciful that although we attain a sense of self-pleasure in supporting our families, yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants us the equivalent sabah of that which we do for our families as logistic charity in the hereafter. Subhanallah. So not only do you get the pleasure of doing for your family, you gain the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when Allah is pleased with his servant, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewards his servant. Even though we may have spent an X amount in our expenses for the month, the grocery, the grocery, Even though we may have spent the equivalent in grocery expenses for the month, but for that particular amount, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has rewarded it, has recorded it for us in the Yaqa and having given that specific amount as charity. Not that we are feeding our family's charity, but Allah Ta'ala loves when we take the responsibility of what Allah Ta'ala has ordained and what Allah Ta'ala has commanded us to do. So this is the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So which brings us to the very basic principle in the life of a believer that every morning that you arise, there must be some act that you will seek only for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And seeking the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was the ways of those that come before us. Those who had reached such levels of success that they had dominated over the entire world. Not only they had dominated countries and governments and ministries and people and societies, but they had also governed over the hearts of people through their good character and their good actions towards the people, regardless of whether the person who they ruled over or the citizens of the land which they had conquered were Muslims or non-Muslims. And this is the crux of why we exist as Muslims. The day that we become a Muslim, every action, every deed, every thought, every inclination must be aligned that if I am going to do something today, how do I maneuver it in order to make it fulfill a necessity of mine, but ultimately on a higher level to earn the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when we look at Muslims today around the globe, we are being dominated, we are being persecuted, we are being suppressed and oppressed, we are being subjugated to all sorts of evil agendas. But if we cannot be conquered militarily, then we are being conquered where our nafs is being taken away by the enemies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And these are strategies that they have full tanks and they have brainstorming sessions every moment that goes around the world with some of the greatest intellectual minds on the world and they are plotting and they are united and they are forming coalitions 
for the one single purpose of how to eradicate Islam from the face of the world. And whatever they are doing to destroy us, it is very sad and disappointing to us that we are not employing the same strategies in order to counteract these attacks against Islam. They are attacking our children to media. They are attacking our children to the very millions of learning and education that we find in our schools. That even teachers are even given liberal mindsets and independent mindsets. Where if a teacher will promote anything that is anti-Islam, the teacher is not taken to task. One of two reasons. That is because they are protected by a constitution which allows freedom of speech. Secondly, is that we as Muslims have become apathetic and must say pathetic. I'm saying apathetic. Meaning we do not have the will to stand up and to oppose. We do not have the will to resist. We do not have the will to speak out and object. So that is why if there is a very minimal amount of objection, this is brushed under the carpet and the status quo continues. But if we are emphatic and if we are vociferous and if we are in some way very very strong about our objections regarding the education, regarding the working places of the Muslims, then people will sit up and take us seriously. But they know the general nature of Muslims is that we will react for a certain amount of time, but we cannot persist with that reaction. How many times have we had certain amounts of protests and objections, and we've done so much to let the world know that we will not accept a certain situation, and then after a week or two, we find the numbers of those who have objected initially, the numbers start to decrease. People start to lose interest, and people once again become caught in the vicious cycle of life. So they know that we do not firmly stand by that which we say, we will say for the sake of saying it, but we are not putting ourselves in a position to sacrifice whatever it takes to ensure that we voice our objection and that we will not be affected by the agendas of the world. There are some parents, alhamdulillah, who take a very firm stance that if anything regarding LGBTQ, anything regarding abortion, anything regarding anything that's anti-Islamic is propagated in the schools by teachers and is accepted by the administration of the school. Some people, alhamdulillah, had the conviction in their day for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, to de-register the children from the school. Some will merely say, we don't like what you are teaching our children, but if the child is still there in the classroom the next morning, nobody takes anybody seriously. So the question is, how much of conviction do we have? How much of confidence and boldness do we have to stand by what we say to the point where we are ready to sacrifice everything that we are, everything that we have, all our future dreams and ideas, simply to ensure that Allah Ta'ala does not descend His wrath upon us. And we are living in a time when Allah Ta'ala is extremely displeased with us. And how do we know that? It is because of what I described in the commencement of this talk. That is, today we are being bashed. Today we are being persecuted. Today we are over two billion. But yet, when our brothers and sisters are oppressed in any part of the world, over two billion people cannot mobilize to ensure that their oppression is, 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 is taken away, that their enemies are destroyed. It's not as if we don't have arms, it's not as if we don't have money, it's not as if we don't have resources, it's not that we don't have resources. The problem is that we don't have great leaders like the leaders of the past. And why did they achieve success? Because they believed firstly in the verse of the Quran where Allah Ta'ala has promised victory. And we feel that no, no, we're not in a position now to 
performing offensive. We're not in a position to fight back. We're not in a position to do anything about it. Because our economies are directly controlled by those our enemies. The moment we antagonize them, the moment we annoy them, then our economies are going to be affected. We've seen this in these reports. South Africa was accused of supplying arms to Russia, and it was a statement made, and the next day we know that the land crashed, and many people experienced great economic loss. Imagine everyone misguided lie by one official of the American government who said something without proof, without evidence, without any form of backup, but simply in his mind he said, I will stake my life on it. The person has no credibility to begin with. As long as a person is part of the American government, take into effect that that person has no credibility whatsoever. But yet they make a statement on the media, and the next day it results in an economic downturn of a country. And a few days later, they retract and say, sorry, we made a mistake, but the damage is done. So this is the level of control and influence they have over our lives. And we are impotent. We are incapacitated. We don't have the power to do anything against them. So definitely, we are defeated. We are a defeated people. We have lost. But we can become victorious. We can prevail over our enemies. And you ask why we can just take so much of effort and take so much of mobilization. The Muslim world is disunited, we are disagreeing, we disjoint. How is it going to happen? It is each individual Muslim takes a responsibility to do one thing. And the promise of Allah Ta'ala in the Quran is Allah is making a promise to those who are the believers. Conditionally, if every believer will start to do good actions, actions only to earn the praise of Allah. Now we think thinking, no, we have to do this on a global scale. You know that anything that changes on a global scale has to be initiated on an individual scale. There has to be one person driving something in order for it to become a movement. Most of the movements around the world were started by one person. And today, they have become very, very powerful movements. So each and every single individual First, we have a responsibility to say, Amani, I believe in Allah. Thereafter, And I am going to ensure that every day of my life, regardless of how small or irrelevant or insignificant it seems, that I'm going to do every action that is good and every action that earns the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah has promised those that take this pledge. What has Allah Ta'ala promised them? That those who believe and those who arrive every morning wanting to do good actions only for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala will make them victorious in the world. Allah Ta'ala will make them dominate the world. Allah Ta'ala will make them conquer the world. Allah Ta'ala will make them rule the world. As Allah Ta'ala has made those that have come before them rule the world before they had been born into the world. Now, this is not a promise of Allah. Let us take a very, very, very simple example. When Islam started, how few were the Muslims? The Muslims did not even have the opportunity and the power to say the Salah in public without being persecuted, without being harmed. Even when the Muslims moved to Medina to Manawara, the Quraysh were against them, the Jews were against them, the Christians were against them, the Zoroastrians were against them. That they found that the entire world was against them. What did they focus on? 
was thinking about how we're going to take over the world. No, each and every Sahaba is noted as a great personality because each one took responsibility for his own actions. And when there became a movement amongst the Sahaba, that not only did they do a good action for themselves, they did good for others. And they inspired others to do good. Then that became a more comprehensive movement. And then they had started from one person, it grew. What did he do? He did not have no power. He did not have the power of an army. He was not born to a king. He was an orphan. He had nothing. But through this one man only doing the good action for the pleasure of Allah. Everything the Prophet did was for the pleasure of Allah. Allah did not give him any miracle to influence people. Allah did not give him the gift of hypnotizing or brainwashing people. All he did was he was to be the best human being, the best of mankind, and work according to that to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Today we have to be good from one man, only because of all actions. And then Allah says that because the Sahaba focused on themselves, focused on self-reformation, what eventually happened in the time of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa already Syria, Yemen, was conquered in the time of Sayyidina Abu Bakr in Egypt, Ethiopia, in the time of Umar over half the world was under Muslim domination. We go further to the Khalifa of Sayyidina Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, but we go even further, in the time of Sayyidina Salahuddin al-Ayyubi, Rahmatullahi ta'ala where he took Jerusalem from 18 years of control and 18 years of rule by the Christian crusaders. Again, one man mobilized. Why? Because he said, I will only focus on myself and doing what is good for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah ta'ala said, if you believe in me and promise it, Allah ta'ala does not go back on his promises. I said, if you promise me to believe, I promise you that you will be victorious even in this time as those who we speak about, who we read about, the history, the rich history of Islam, that you obviously bring into reference in your talks to people. We should not simply resign this great deal of Islam to stories that we tell each other so that we can feel good about ourselves in our times of failure. We don't recount the successes of our predecessors to give us a good feeling. No, we recount the episode of the success in order to say to us, what did they do? How can we replicate that? How can we revive that, regenerate that? So we can also experience the same amount of victory that they have experienced. So Allah says, That they will be victorious, we will be victorious. As those before us will become victorious. And Allah says that in their hearts I will establish and I will make it firm this deen that pleases them and that pleases me. Ask ourselves, we are happy with our deen. Why? Because we say that if we have this belief in Allah and the Prophet and we do whatever Islam says, we're going to go in Jannah. It's the same thing. Rather than believing nothing and don't know what's going to happen in the hereafter, we say we believe in Allah, we believe in the Prophet, we act according to Islam. It's the same thing for us to get Jannah in the hereafter. But are we truly happy with our deen? If we were happy with our deen, then it means that every element of our deen would become something so precious to us that we would not compromise 
sense of it. We would not in any way divert from it, but rather we would implement it in every aspect of our being. That is when we are pleased with something, that you have so much of, of hope in it, of your salvation, that you won't even go out of it and inch or doing something that is contrary to what it teaches you, then that is going to be the means of my destruction. So Allah says, when you follow the dream, when you have Iman, when you do good deeds, Allah says not only will I give you victories, but in your heart your dream will overpower the sense of your nafs when you will be happy with it. And lastly Allah says, وَلَا يُبَدِّلَنَّهُمْ And Allah Ta'ala will change the fear that people used to feel. How do I fear? What is going to happen to the Muslims? What is going to happen to us? What is going to happen to, to our future generations? And I said, وَلَا يُبَدِّلَنَّهُمْ مِنْ خَوْفِهِمْ عَمْنَهُ That Allah Ta'ala was the fear that we have now. The fear that we have Allah given. And I'm sorry I'm from the intelligent Believe in good actions. Make the dream firm in your heart. And Allah said that I will change the fear that you have now of what is to happen to you and your families amna into peace and security. The Muslims were afraid at first when they were small. Everyone wanted to annihilate them and destroy them. Everybody hated them. But it came to a point where Allah gave them such power that everybody feared them. That they had no fear of attack anymore. But people feared their attacks. That the fear that they used to feel from the inception of Islam, before the holding fast week and doing what Allah had said, Allah promised them to the point where they could walk and they could talk and do what they want in public, Islamically, and they would not fear anymore. So Allah gave them, took away the fear, and Allah gave them peace. But what is the condition Allah says? That worship me, do not associate any partners with me. That is simple condition that Allah has given us. Like I said, if we want to strategize and devise plans how we can get ourselves out of this quagmire of depression that we are in as Muslims, everyone do a good deed. Do good deeds every day for the prayers of Allah. Believe, be happy about your deed. Allah says, we take away all these difficulties. And sometimes, you know, we're looking at sophisticated answers in order to eradicate our problems. Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Now, if everyone did a good deed and perchance you didn't survive in this dunya, at least they know in the Asra, they've got peace, they have no fear for reckoning and accountability, that the dream that they had close to them, that will be a shining light on the door of judgment, and the good deeds will be the goal to paradise. So whether it's achieved in this world, whether it's achieved in the hereafter, the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be true. But again, what is the crux? It is simply about wanting the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Again, this is another promise of Allah. Allah says, وَعَدَ اللَّهُ مُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ Allah has promised the believing men and the believing women تَنَّاتِ عَلِّينَ تَجِّمٍ تَحْتُوَ لَنْهَارِ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا Allah says that I promised the believing men and the believing women. Allah promised us in one promise, victory in the world. Second promise, Allah is talking about the after the next world. Allah says the believing men, the believing women, I promise you that you will be admitted into paradise beneath where the beautiful rivers flow. And Allah said, I will give you beautiful, peaceful homes in Jannah and you will remain there forever. And what does Allah say after? You are really happy. You've got beautiful rivers of milk and honey. You've got beautiful houses. That is the ultimate in happiness. Can we ever be happier than that? But Allah says,
pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is even better than these rivers of milk and honey and these beautiful mansions that you are going to live in. The pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is even better and greater than that. Why? With the hadith of the Prophet that when people are entered into Jannah, we will experience the beauty of Jannah. We will experience the wonders and the luxuries of Jannah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say that can I give you anything more in Jannah? And we say, Ya Allah, we are very content with what we have. We are fully satisfied. We, we, if you have an imagined thing that we want, it is created for us. Ya Allah, what can make us happier? Allah says that even greater than this happiness that you see around you is my pleasure. And as of today, I'm going to give you my pleasure and I'm promising you that I will never be angry or displeased with you again. That is why Allah says, all those elements in Jannah you enjoy. And once you reach that status where Allah is pleased with you and Allah will no longer be displeased with you, Allah says, that is the most successful person in Jannah who does not have things to enjoy but has earned the pleasure of Allah and will no longer earn the displeasure. So everything is in the place of Allah. Before we conclude, Sayyid Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, once she said that I woke up and I did not find the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sleeping next to me. So she says, I began to feel around the room. It was a big room, just a very small room. And there what it indicates is that there was total darkness. Because she could not see where the Prophet was. So she says that after sitting around the room, I caught hold of the foot of the Prophet and it was erect. So as we are in Sajda, we know that our toes are on the ground, your brothers. Uh, let's just uh, add this masjid in. Uh, that it is logic for at least one toe to remain on the ground during your Sajda and between your Sajda. Sometimes you notice that a lot of brothers in between the two Sajdas raise their both feet from the ground, meaning there are no toes touching the ground. According to Jewish students, this invalidates the Salah. At minimum, there must always be one toe touching the, uh, the ground at all times. So it does not raise. Preferably, all the toes must be bent to the point where they are facing the Qibla. But if you have difficulty in trying to retain all the toes on the ground, and it's something which is very really easy if while we are going from one sajda to another, then raise one foot if you have to, while keeping the other foot on the ground, it makes it very easy. The reversite inshallah will become a habit, but please remember not to raise both your feet from the ground. So when she found the feet of the Prophet Sallallahu she knew that she was in sajda. And she heard this du'a from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Now look at the du'a of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam O Allah, I seek protection in your pleasure from your anger. Is the Prophet Sallallahu ever going to be the object of Allah's anger? Is he ever going to be the recipient of Allah's displeasure? Absolutely not. But still, the one who cannot displease Allah, the one who is not only pleases Allah, but Allah Ta'ala wishes for his pleasure as well. He said, Allahumma a'udhubika biridaka is Allahumma a'udhubika misakhatika. O Allah, I seek protection in your pleasure from your displeasure. And Ya Allah, I seek your forgiveness from your wrath and your anger. This is the dua of the one who is the most perfect creation. And then he says, Ya Allah, wa a'udhubika minka. Oh Allah, I seek protection in you from you. 
because in the wrath of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brothers, this is what we don't understand. That we always think about the mercy of Allah because this is the dictate of Allah that my mercy is greater than my wrath and my anger. But brothers, we should not take Allah Ta'ala so insignificant that we are not afraid of the wrath of Allah Ta'ala. We can see the power of Allah Ta'ala. That Allah Ta'ala does not have to take this world and disintegrate it. Allah Ta'ala can send continuous rain for one day and it can cause destruction in the world. And what does Allah Ta'ala say? This is a result of this ultimate weather that we are facing. Allah Ta'ala says, If only my servants were obedient to me, that I would have made the rain come down gently upon them in the night while they were asleep. It would not have disrupted their day. But when the day comes, I will have given them beautiful sunlight for them to have ease and convenience in conducting their affairs. And if they were obedient to me, never would they have heard the terrible sound of thunder. But today we are experiencing rain that destroys. We are experiencing harsh sunlight that is destroying. We are experiencing thunder that gives us fear. What is the reason? Because we are disobedient to Allah Ta'ala. So the Prophet said, وَعَوْذُكَ مِنْكَ يَا اللَّهِ I seek protection in you, in your pleasure from your anger. لَا أُحْسِي Nabi Sallallahu says that Ya Uhsi, I do not have the capacity Fana and Alika to praise you Ya Allah. Anta Kama Aslika. Ya Allah, your praise is as you praise yourself, Allah Nafsi. Whatever praise you give yourself, Ya Allah, that is my praise for you because I don't have the capacity to praise you. So the brothers of Islam, the point of this was that we are going to face the subjugation and we are going to face this loss and this defeat upon defeat. Maybe for as long as we live. Why? Because each and every single one of us wants to try to change the world. We can't change the world. The world changes one person at a time. And if each and every single one of us take responsibility to change ourselves, to become more accountable for our deeds, to do every deed that earns the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then this will become a mobilization. And then we will be powerful enough to be worthy of Allah fulfilling His promise to us. Allah says, that He will make us dominate and He will make us rule over the world. But inshallah, if not in our lifetime, in the future, Nabi Sallallahu has foretold the domination of the Muslims in the entire world. We might not experience it now, but we do have some ray of hope. Not actually some ray of hope, rather a rechecker. We have absolute certainty in the words of the Prophet that a time will come when there will be this resurrection against the Muslims where there will be this revival and inshallah this revolution where the future generations will become from those who are loved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and when they are loved and they take responsibility for their actions then Allah will give them revelation of the world in the time of Imam Mahdi where Allah ta'ala allow our future generations to be from amongst those who once again revive the deen of Islam and achieve in the future what we could not achieve in this present time Brothers, we make dua in the for Aisha Bibi Ahmad, Sayyidullah Khan, Rasul Abdul Wahab, Amina Bibi Ismail, Amina Bost and Hafidi, and all those who have passed away, and uh, Zaydul Roshan, 
lead sister of Uncle Ahmed Musa, and all those who have passed away, we make dua to Allah Ta'ala and Jannah and Shulgos, inshallah. We make dua Shukha for rescuing Hussain, Muhammad, or Dabi Muhammad, who just left, Khalid Adams, Khalid Nisa, Khalid Bakas, Haji Amin Bakas, and Jasus Bakas, Adila Dadabai, Rafia Jabbat, Farouk Surya, and there's a special dua for our brother Rafiq Inos. Finally, I don't know, we know there's a big penalty, but we will be critical, we will do it, inshallah. الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وأصحابه وبارك وسلم يا معشر المسلمين رحمه الله قد ورد في الخبر عن سيد البشر أنه قال إذا صعد الخطيب على المنبر فلا يتكلمن أحدكم ومن تكلم فقد لغى ومن لغى فلا جمعة له فأنصفوا رحمه الله الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر أصحاب الله إله إلا الله أصحاب الله إله إلا الله أصحاب محمد رسول الله أصحاب محمد رسول الله حي على السلام ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن سيدنا ومولانا محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فيا أيها المؤمنون 
رحمنا ورحمكم الله تعالى اوصيكم ونفسي بتقوى الله عز وجل في السجن والاعلان فان التقوى سنام جر الايمان واذكروا الله عند كل شجر وحجر واعلموا ان الله بما تعملون بصير وان الله ليس بغافلين عما تعملون فإن السنن هي الأنوار وزينوا قلوبكم بحب هذا النبي الكريم عليه الصلاة والتسليم فإن الحب هو الإيمان كله ألا لا إيمانا لمن لا محبة له رزقنا الله تعالى وإياكم بحب هذا النبي الكريم عليه الصلاة والتسليم أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم فمن يعمل مثقال ذرة خيرا يره ومن يعمل مثقال ذرة شرا يره بارك الله بارك الله لنا ولكم في القرآن العظيم ونفعنا وإياكم بالآيات والذكر الحكيم إنه تعالى ملك كريم جواز بر ورف رحيم أقول قولي هذا واستغفر الله لي ولكم ولسائر المؤمنين والمؤمنات إنه هو الغفور الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله الذي نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد ان سيدنا ومولانا محمدا عبده ورسوله لا سيما على اولهم بالتصديق وافضلهم بالتحقيق امير المؤمنين سيدنا ابا بكر رضي الله تعالى عنه وعلى اعدل الاصحاب مزين المنبر والمحراب امير المؤمنين سيدنا عمر بن الخطاب رضي الله تعالى عنه وعلى جامعي القران كامل الحياء والايمان امير المؤمنين سيدنا عثمان بن عفان رضي الله تعالى عنه وعلى اسد الله غالب امام المشارق والمغارب امير المؤمنين سيدنا علي بن ابي طالب كرم الله تعالى وجهه الكريم على بنيه الكريمين ابي محمد الحسن وابي عبد الله الحسين رضي الله تعالى عنهما وعلى امهما سيده النساء فاطمه الزهراء رضي الله تعالى عنها وعلى سائر الصحابه اجمعين اللهم انصر من نصر دين سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ربنا يا مولانا وجعلنا منهم اللهم اخذل من خذل دين سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ربنا يا مولانا ولا تجعلنا منهم عباد الله رحمكم الله ان الله يامر بالعدل والاحسان وايتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله يذكركم ودعوه يستجيب لكم ولذكر الله تعالى اعلى واولى واعز واجل واتم واهم واعظم واكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون صفوا صفوفكم يرحمكم الله Allah'a emanet olun. 
أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله
موسیقی 
یا اللہ نبی صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم کے صدقے میں یا اللہ ہمیں اپنی گناہوں سے معاف فرما یا اللہ ہمیں جنت نصیب فرما یا اللہ ہم گنگار ہے سیاکار پتکار ہے تمہارے حبیب صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم کی امت میں یا اللہ کے صدقے میں ہمیں گناہوں سے معاف فرما یا اللہ ہمارے تمام نیک اور جائز مراد پورا فرما مزید تمہاری عبادت کرنے کے توفیق عطا فرما تمہیں اور تمہارے محبوب کو راضی رکھنے کے توفیق عطا فرما یا اللہ یا اللہ خور مسلمان جو انتقال ہو گیا اللہ سب گناہوں سے معاف فرما یا اللہ جنت الفردوس میں اعلیٰ سے اعلیٰ مقام عطا فرما پیارے نبی صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم کا سفارش نصیب فرما نبی صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم کا شفاعت نصیب فرما نبی صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم کے نور چہرہ کی زیارت نصیب فرما نبی صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم کے نگاہ کرم سے پھل سیرات آسان فرما جنت الفردوس میں اعلیٰ محکم عطا فرما یا اللہ مسلمان جو پریشان ہیں ان کی پریشانی کو دور فرما یا اللہ خصوصی کے ساتھ فلسطین میں مسلمان جو پریشان ہیں ان کی پریشانی کو دور فرما یا اللہ غفور رحیم ان پر رحم فرما کرم فرما یا اللہ مسجد الاقصیٰ کے رہائی فرما یا اللہ غفور رحیم یا مسلمان جو بیمار ہے یا اللہ سب کو بیماری شفا فرما کلی شفا عطا فرما یا اللہ رفیق بھائی بیمار ہے یا اللہ انہیں کلی شفا عطا فرما یا اللہ ان کی گھر والوں پر سب جمیل عطا فرما یا اللہ خیر فرما سب کی حفاظ فرما یا اللہ خاتم ابھی خیر ہمیں سب کی ایمان کے ساتھ فرما وقت محمد رسول اللہ سی فرما وصلی اللہ تعالی علی خیر خلقه و نور عرشه و زینت عرشه و قاسم رزقه و مظہر فی محمد و آل آلی و صحاب المنین اللہم آئین علی ذکرکا و شکرکا و حسن عبادتک بے فتح سبحان ربک رب العزت اما یسفون و سلام و سلیم و الحمدللہ رب العالمین
السلام منك السلام تبارك ربنا وتعاليك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام اللهم إنا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار اللهم ربنا تقبل منا هذه صلاة العصر مع جماعة المسلمين إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وأصحابه وبارك وسلم سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين